0: Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. I appreciate the opportunity to be here these three weeks. I've really enjoyed it and uh, always look forward to coming here because you all love the Word of God and you're hungry for the Word of God and that makes it easy to preach. I'm going to make a quick commercial myself while we're in the commercial section of the service here. Uh, I teach a Bible study here actually on Wednesday nights. I teach one on Tuesday nights at 1st Baptist in the Atlantic. And then the same study will be here on Wednesday nights. I've been doing that now for almost two years. We're about to finish the book of Ezekiel. We will finish the book of Ezekiel in two weeks. And then we're going to take one week break because I preach a week of revival. And then the second Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday of March, we'll start a new whole series on the book of Matthew. And so if you were one of those ones that been interested in going, but they're already in Ezekiel, or we've even heard some people go... I don't want to do Ezekiel. And so, if Matthew's exciting for you, we're going to be starting Matthew the second week of March. And so, we'll meet in here on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. First Baptist in the atlantic Fellowship Hall on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. And the second week of March, we start the book of Matthew. Really looking forward to that study. So, if you're curious, you're welcome to join us. Now, before I get into the message today, I have to do something. I'm going to be communicating some very, very powerful truths today by the Lord's grace. But I'm afraid that as I do, many of you will sit there and think, you know, Jim, I'm sure that's true for you. Because you're different than me. God likes you more than me because you're a preacher. You don't know me. I'm different than you. And I want to blow that up this morning before we get started by just telling you, for those of you that don't know me, those, there are many in here that do, but for those of you that don't know me, I'm nothing special. And to prove it, I'm going to share about something that happened this week. I was helping my wife paint the house. Well, actually, I was painting the house because my wife told me to. And <laughs> it just makes it feel better to me when I say I'm helping her do it. But my wife and I were actually painting the house this week and uh, the exterior. We did the scraping, the priming, and all this stuff. And we're on the final coat. And I'm up on a ladder and I'm painting up high in the backyard, she's on the other side of the house, painting along the bottom, and my phone rings. So now I'm trying to decide, what do I do? Because I'm up on a ladder, I've got paint and a cup in my left hand, and I've got the paintbrush in my right. So I decide, okay, I'm just going to hold the paintbrush over here with my cup in the paint, and I get my phone, and it's my son. And he's calling from UCF, so I decide, I'm going to answer this, and I pick it up. I'm up on a ladder, and my son says, hey, Dad, how's the painting going? said, to be honest with you, you're interrupting right now, but what's up? He said, well, I need to talk to you about something. And so he begins to talk to me about this thing. So now I'm realizing this isn't going to be a quick phone call. I might as well need to get off the top of the ladder here. And so I start to climb down the ladder with nothing to hold on to anymore because my hands are full and I fall. I start going down the ladder backwards really fast, realizing I'm out of control. As I hit the bottom rung and then the ground, I'm thinking maybe I can keep my balance and I stepped into a planter, half concrete, half dirt, and that's when I realized this big old body, 285 pounds, is going to hit the ground really, really hard. And I have two options. I either land on the concrete or I end up in the pool. I ended up in the pool. <laughs> While on the phone with my son, holding paint end of paintbrush, tr- I'm so out of control, I literally landed in the pool on my knees. In the shallow end, thank the Lord. But I hit the bottom, and the water's up to my neck. I make a huge splash as I'm trying to hold my phone and my paint and everything. I look like a guy at a ball game trying to hold a beer when the fly ball's coming. It was just... I make horrific crash. My son doesn't even slow down talking on the phone. (laughs) Not impressed at all. I was like, dude, I just fell in the pool. He goes, yeah, okay. And then he goes right on with his thing. And I said, no, I just seriously fell in the pool. He goes, yeah, but your phone's still working. He wasn't like, dad, are you okay? It was like, yeah, we're not surprised. You fall in the pool, no big deal. So I said, like, look, get understand. I gotta get out of the pool. I gotta hang up with you. My phone's wet. My, I got water in my paint. I've got to. Let me just hang up with you. So I, I, I hang up with my son. I climb out of the pool. I go around to the side of the house because I want to get some sympathy. (laughs) My wife sees me totally drenched and she goes, "What happened?" I'm like, "I just fell in the pool." She's like, "Are you okay?" And then her phone rings. (laughs) She goes. It's AJ. It's my son. He's calling her now. She picks it up. She says, AJ, I can't talk to you right now. I've got to help your dad. He goes, yeah, he fell in the pool. I'm like, I thought everybody would be like, what a shock. You fell in the pool. Like, it's almost like you fell in the pool again. I've never fallen in the pool before, but they weren't really that surprised. And so I just share that with you to say I'm walking around with bad knees right now because they're bloodied up and scraped. And I'm not that impressive. I didn't spill the paint, but I did, I did get a lot of water in the paint. Did not spill. I had to pour all the water off the top and try to save as much as I could. And I didn't spill the paint. My phone, we had to take it apart and get it dried out, but it still worked fine. But, I mean, it was a wipeout and a half. But, folks, let me just tell you, I can't wait to share with you what God wants me to share with you this morning. Don't let Satan have you think that won't work for me. Don't let Satan have you believe the lie that what we're going to look at today won't apply to you, because it will. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the passage we've been really breaking down for this uh, series. And if you don't mind, whoever's in charge of lights, turning the house lights up a little bit for me. Again, like I said, this old man's blind. Thank you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 14 through 17 today. For the love of Christ controls us, Behold, the new has come. Let's pray together. Father, as you know what you want to accomplish this morning, and I have a rough idea. I know even fully, I don't have all in mind what you want to do today, but you just want to use me in some rudimentary way that just shows off your glory. That you would just take someone like me, who's learning these things that we're going to look at today, And putting them into practice in such a way that I'm starting to experience them. And I want to share this with my brothers and my sisters so that they may experience it as well. But Lord, I also sense my frustration. Because I know how hard it is for us to accept these truths that we're going to look at today. And actually take them to heart. And I wish I could grab everyone and shake them and say, please. But Lord, you're the only one that can open our eyes. You're the only one that can give us that understanding. And so, Lord, take us deeper today in an understanding of what it means to be in Christ, this new creation that we just read about. And, Lord, for that to happen, I just got to, again, yield to the power of your spirit and the truth of your word. Thank you for what you're going to do in this time. In your name we pray. Amen. You see in our passage that those of us who have been born again are no longer to live for ourselves. But we're to live for the one who died for us and live as new creations. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. Where we were last week, where we ended up last week, is that we needed to believe that the God who lives in the people around us who are born again has the power to make the changes in them without our help. We looked at Romans chapter 4, verse 14. Sorry, chapter 14, verse 4, where Paul says, Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master, he stands or falls, and the Lord is able to make him stand. Where we left off last week was we looked at the world and how if they're going to come to Christ, the Lord's going to open their eyes, and it's not our job. We just share the message, and we leave the results to the Lord. In the same way, when it comes to our brothers and sisters and our personal relationships in the church, we need to understand that we're to share in love what the Scripture teaches about how we're to be. But then whether they get it or not, it's between them and the Lord, and we've got to stop trying to control everybody to make them what we want them to be. In the timing that we have in mind. But today what we're going to look at is that same power that's within our brothers and sisters that we're resting in the fact that he's going to change them in his way in his time. That same power lives in each of one of us. And actually what we're going to focus on is the fact that God wants to work on us individually first and foremost. Now if you're sitting here today and you are thinking, Of two or three people that you really wish were here to hear this message, you've already missed the point. We are going to be looking at the fact that God wants to do his work in us. So this morning, take your eyes and your minds off of the people around you and ask God to speak to you because as I'm about to show you in just a few places I could spend the whole rest of our time just bombing you with the scriptures that show this that whenever the scripture talks about this power of God at work within us it always speaks to us about him doing it in us we always think about man so and so could really use the power of God to wish that so and so would be changed no 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 let me show you go to Philippians chapter 2 the scriptures show us that when God talks about this power at work within us it's always revealing how God wants to work in us. We no longer live for ourselves. We're to live for the one who died for us. And we need to see ourselves as new creations. By the way, as you're turning to Philippians chapter 2, I thought about this. You know, the Bible says that when we become born again, he gives us a new name. It says that in the book of Revelation. It doesn't tell us What our name, Peter got to find out what his new name was when Jesus said, hey, you're Simon, one day you're going to be Peter. And when he made his profession of his faith, which was from the spirit, he said, you're now Peter. I don't know how many of you realize that when God sees you, he sees the new creation. You've got a new name. I'm looking forward to uh, what my new name is going to be. Right now it's Orca or Shamu with the pool shows that I've been putting on lately, but at the same time. I've got a new name, and I can't wait to see how God sees the new me. In Philippians chapter 2, look at verses 12 and 13. Look closely at the tense and the personal pronouns. Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Who's He talking to? People around us? Talking to me? He's talking to you. Go to Second uh, Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter two. Look at verses sixteen and seventeen. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse sixteen. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. By the way, look closely. Who's doing the work here? It's God. It's God. May he comfort your hearts and may he establish you in every good work and word. We just saw in Philippians chapter twelve, that even, so chapter 2, verse 12, that even though we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, we have to keep in mind it's God who works in us both to will, that's the desire, and to act according to His good purpose. We've been made a new creation, and God now lives within us. And He wants to do a work. We need to see this new creation. Well, go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. You're right there in chapter 2. Just jump down to chapter 3. Look at verse 5. May the Lord direct your heart, your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Again, who's doing the work? Who's he talking to? Us. Again, the scripture shows that it's God who wants to do this work. Folks, he doesn't want to just save us, put us on a shelf and say, hey, look, I saved that person. He has a purpose in mind. If we looked in Sunday school this morning that I was teaching over there in this class. Is the last three weeks we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And we finished this week with chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. This is a gift of God, not of works so no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's not only saved us by his grace, we've looked this morning at how he had a purpose for saving us. And that purpose was for his glory, that we would live holy lives and be used as his demonstration of his power to the world around us. But also he has a purpose he wants to accomplish in each of our lives. Folks, let me just tell you, one of the biggest derailments for the Christian being able to do what God's called them to do is we spend too much of our time looking at all the people around us. As I travel around the country and speak to Christians and speak to churches, I hear so much about everybody talking about how bad the world's getting. Who's gonna take care of how bad the world's gonna be? That's God. He's talking to us, though, about how we're supposed to be. Did you ever try to correct one of your kids? And if you got more than one kid, what did they inevitably do to deflect the fact that you were dealing with them? They'd point out their brother or their sister. We do the same thing. When God wants to work in our lives and wants to do a work in us, we have a tendency to look around at the people around us. Peter did the same thing when Jesus said to him, hey, remember that guy told, told me he was going to die for me? You will one day. And here's how you're going to die. In John 21, he's meeting with Peter and the, some of the disciples there on the seashore. He tells Peter how he's going to die. And Peter, just like all of us, said, that doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun, but here's John. Don't you tell me how he's going to die. I'll feel a lot better if you tell me how John's going to die. And what did Jesus say? What if I want John to remain alive until I return? What's that to you? One of the biggest reasons we aren't growing in our walks with the Lord is we're too busy looking at the world and how bad the world's getting. By the way, if if it helps you, turn the news off. You know what it's going to be. It's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse, according to the Scriptures. We shouldn't be surprised. Oh, by the way, the United States is not mentioned in the last times. We shouldn't be surprised to see our country going the way it is. We should pray, we should grieve, we should turn to the Lord. But at the same time, we need to let the rest of it go the way it's going to go and keep our eyes on the Lord. The Bible says those of us who are in Christ are going to be looking for our blessed hope. We're going to be watching for the return of Jesus but we're so busy looking at how bad things are in the world, we're not listening to the Lord speak to us about our lives. And then in the church, we spend so much time talking about, well, I might get better, but as soon as people stop doing all this other stuff, take your eyes off of everyone else and put them on yourself and the power of God that lives within you, that wants to will, give you the desire, and act according to His good purpose. That wants to establish you in every good work and word that wants to direct your hearts to the love of God. That's kind of cool. Go to Romans chapter 12. Many of you can quote this. But have we meditated on it? Romans chapter 12, look at verses 1 and 2. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present. What's that next word? Yourself, your bodies as living as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Oh, by the way, there's a key here that's going to transition us to where we need to go next. This is a daily in the Greek. I wrote down in my Bible. I wrote daily the renewing of our minds Is the daily thing. How are we going to ever start to experience this power of God to reveal this new creation so that we won't live for ourselves, but we'll live for the Lord? Because I know hopefully all of us want to. The Bible actually says that if you are in Christ, that even though your flesh might not want to, your spirit wants to do the will of God. If you're born again, you want to do the will of God. You don't want to do the will of God. You're not saved. Plain and simple. But if you are saved, you want to do the will of God. By the way, how well do y'all do? Just like Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't. Things I don't want to do, I do. He understood the struggle that we have in the flesh. Yet at the same time, Paul didn't finish by saying, I guess that's the way it's going to be the rest of my life. No, no, no. As you're about to see, Paul prayed for Christians that they would understand this power that's at work. He understood the struggle, but he also experienced the victory. Over the struggle. And I'm looking at you not because I'm impressive, I fall off ladders, but I can look you in the eye and tell you that after so many years of walking with Christ since 1973, I have experienced and am experiencing this power to change Jim Johnson. It takes a while, it's a process but I can look you in the eye and honestly, without being afraid of God striking me dead, tell you that I'm not even close to what I was when I first got saved. And I'm further along in my walk with the Lord and Jesus has been allowed to have more control of my life over the years and the struggles that I've had with sin over the years. God has taught me how to have victory. It is possible for you to experience this new creation. But most of us don't Understand that. But that's okay. Paul knew that. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Paul's just told them about the fact that they were sealed by the Spirit, which is a deposit guaranteeing their inheritance in verses 13 and 14. But then he says to them in verses 15 and following. He says, for this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I thought he just said they were saved. I thought he just said they were sealed by the Spirit of God. Yes, You're saved and you're sealed by the spirit of God. If you're in Christ, that doesn't mean you know who God really is. That doesn't mean you fully understand what it means to be in Christ. So he said, now, after I've heard of your faith and your love for each other, I'm praying that God would take you deeper now. That. and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Look at what Paul says. Knowing of your salvation and being sealed by the Spirit, my prayer now is that you would know Christ better. That you would really understand what it means to be in Christ and all these heavenly blessings and spiritual blessings that I talked about in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul said, and how we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, how that's available to us. That you'd understand the hope to which he's called you, your glorious inheritance that's coming, and between now and then, That mighty power that's available. By the way, the word he used wasn't mighty, was it? It was immeasurable power for us who believe. Don't miss that. In order for you to experience the power of God working in and through you in this new creation that you already are, you need to believe it. How'd you get saved? You heard the message of salvation. You believed it was true. And you acted on it. I'm going to say to you, Colossians 2.6 says, says it this way. In the same way in which you received Jesus as Lord, you walk in Him. Folks, let me just tell you, when you got saved, it was just the beginning, not the finish line. And too many Christians see salvation as the finish line. Thank God I'm saved. By the way, that's why a lot of marriages have problems. You know why? Because the husband sees the marriage and the wedding ceremony as the finish line. As soon as I can get married, then I can start wearing my sweatpants, stop wearing these tight jeans anymore. I can't wait till I get married. The wife sees the wedding ceremony as the starting line. We're about to get married, and we're going to begin to build this relationship, and this, guess what? Jesus sees your salvation as the starting line. And many of us are like men when it comes to marriage. We see salvation as the finish line. Oh, no. Paul says, you have no idea what is available to you. And let's be honest. Paul was drinking something a lot of us aren't. I mean, the dude would sit in prison. And instead of saying, get me out. He would sing. Or he would write and say, by the way, he wrote this from prison. I wish you guys would experience what I'm experiencing right now. You're in prison. You're being treated harshly. The conditions are horrible. Actually, I'm growing right now in this time. God's using it. People are coming to Christ. This isn't a bad gig. What? You just haven't had your eyes opened yet, have you? I tell you what, I'm going to pray that God give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know Christ better. He writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, I want to know Christ better. I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This past year of cancer for me was not a fun ride, but I wouldn't trade the stuff that God showed me for anything. Oh, by the way, you want to know about this power that raised Christ from the dead that's living inside of you? Go to Romans chapter 8. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 9 and following. Paul says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, Spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. And anyone who doesn't have the spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit, which dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if you, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit His, Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God, and children, if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth, comparing with the glory to the be revealed. Do you, by the way, does that sound like the exact same thing he prayed in Ephesians 1? Pray that you would understand the hope to which he called you your glorious inheritance and the power that's available for you who believe. That's what he just talked about. He just said, oh, by the way, that same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you and it will give Power to your mortal bodies. Even though our bodies are dead because of sin, in the meantime, God can give you power over your flesh and give you victory. But we have to believe it. How'd you get saved? You heard the message that God would give you eternal life if you believed. How do you experience this new creation? You believe it and you receive it. Lord, you said that I'm a new person because you're in me. You said that there's power available to me, and so I'm going to believe it. Just like I believed it and trusted you as my Savior, I'm now going to believe it on a daily basis and renew my mind, and I'm going to let go of these strongholds that tell me that I'll never be any more than I am, and I want to experience this power that's now available for me. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I want to live for you. Oh, by the way, your word said that you will give me the desire, you'll do it, you'll direct my heart, you'll establish me in every good work and word. Let's go. And let me tell you something. When you take him at his word, he fulfills his word. But there's another problem why we don't experience this. One is we don't believe it. We may not have even known about it, but now you do. We haven't really received it. Is there a difference between Knowing it here and knowing it here, big difference. Some of you heard me say this before, but I'll say it again. In order to get your driver's license, you have to pass two tests. The first one is a written test. And if you pass the written test, will they give you a driver's license? No, you got a what? What? Go drive. You've got to live it out in the same way. Many of us can pass the written test when it comes to who we are in Christ, but we're failing the driving test because we've never actually put it into practice. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Paul prayed for that same group of folks, us. Another prayer in verses 14 through 21. The last one was pretty cool. This one's even better. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, that's what we've been looking at, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's already there, but He's not been allowed to take up residence. That He may dwell in your hearts through faith, That you being rooted and grounded in what? Oh, don't miss that. That you being rooted and grounded in love. We love to talk about how for God so loved the world. Do you think he loves you less now that you're saved? Actually, in Romans chapter 5, Paul says that if he loved us when we were his enemy, how much more? Now, don't miss this. He doesn't love you more that you're a Christian than the lost person. He loves lost people just as much as he loves you. But now that you've been reconciled, you're able to experience the fullness of his love. He loves the world just as much as he loves you. By the way, get that in your head as we see the world going nuts, doing all this crazy stuff. He loves them just as much as he loves you. Don't think for a second he loves you more. But you've been able now, because of your being reconciled to God, you're able to experience the fullness of his love. And we need to be rooted and grounded in his love. Listen to what he says. That we being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul said, first, I want your eyes open to understand the truth, the hope to which he's called you, the glorious inheritance we have and the power that's available to us to believe. Oh, by the way, that's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. Pretty impressive, don't you think? That same power that lives within you now can give life to your mortal bodies. He can give you victory over the flesh. Jesus, who lived as God in human body, was tempted in every way, yet without sin. So he knows how to live in this body and have victory over sin. And he wants to do it again for you. Listen closely. Vance Abner says this. He says, there's only been one Christian life that's ever been lived. And Jesus lived it. But he wants to live it again through you and through me on a daily basis. What did Paul say? I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Remember the one who lived. We live now for the one who died for us. And the life I live, I live by faith in the one who loved me. Go back and double check me later on. Galatians chapter two, verse 20. He says, I live now by faith. I consider myself dead. I live by faith in the one who died for me. Folks, I know you would tell someone who's lost, who's separated from Christ, you want to be saved, God will give it to you. It's an amazing power that he has to erase your sin, put his spirit within you, mark you as his, give you his righteousness. And if you today would just believe it and receive it, you can be saved. I say to you Christians, you have available to you today that same power to turn you into what he wants you to be so the world can see this new creation and the people around you will be Affected by it because God has promised that those he saves he will empower if they would believe it and receive it the question is are you going to sit there and say well Jim maybe for you no it's for all of us who are in Christ it's time we believe the book well how do we do it then Jim well go to Ephesians chapter 5 Paul actually tells us in chapter 5, look at verse 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, there's something here in the English that doesn't really help us. I'm going to show you what the Greek says so that it'll really help us get it. He says, look, we need to understand what the Lord's will is. And what's his will? that we be filled with the Spirit. There's a lot of misconception about being filled with the Spirit. Unfortunately, some of you were taught that if you go to a certain service and a certain pastor pray for you, all of a sudden you'd just be filled. Listen closely. I've been at churches where we sing this song, Holy Spirit, rain down. Listen, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will only rain down on upon the lost because He's not in them. If you're born again, you don't need the Holy Spirit to rain down on you. You've already been filled with the Spirit. You've already received the fullness of the Spirit. You just have to experience it now on a daily basis. The one who's in you will give life to your mortal bodies. You don't need to have a special service where you go and get filled. No, you have already received everything you need for life and godliness. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. You've already received all the precious promises so that you can escape the flesh and experience the divine nature. What we need to do is be filled. Listen closely to what it says. It says in our English, be filled, but that's not what it says in the Greek. Actually, in the Greek, first and foremost, it's a command. It says, be filled. In other words, not an option. If God saved you, he saved you for a purpose. And he wants to, well, Romans 8, 29 says he's predestined to conform us into the image of his son. That means he's wanting to reveal this new creation to the world. So this isn't an option. Hey, if you feel like it, you might want to think about being filled. It's not what I'm saying. No, he says, be filled. It's a command. Secondly, it's in the plural. It's not just for some It's for everyone who's a believer. I was preaching one time and I told him, I said, in the South, that would mean he would change it to y'all be filled. Man came up to me afterwards and he said, actually, in the South, y'all's not plural. All y'all's plural. (laughs) So for any of you deep South people, it says in the Greek, all y'all be filled. If you're in Christ, God's commanded you to be filled. Oh, by the way, it's not only a command, it's not only in the plural, it's also in the passive tense. Now, that means it's not something you do. It's something that is done to you. You receive it. So, all y'all be being filled. Oh, and it's also one more thing. It's continuous. It happens all the time. Did you hear how Paul said daily we have to lay our bodies on the altar? Dailies, we need to renew our mind. Daily, we need to learn how to live in the spirit and not in the flesh. Daily, we have to believe and receive the power that's available to us. You only need to get saved once, but you have to be filled daily. Is it because you leak? No, bad illustration. You don't lose the spirit. You quench him. You grieve him but he'll never leave you. Do we sin still? Yeah. Anybody says they don't sin, the truth's not in them. But we don't leak. All of God you ever need is already in you. You need to know how to, oh, here's the word Paul used, drink. It's no accident that he says, you want to know what the will, Lord of, the, will of the Lord is? Don't get drunk with wine or under the control of alcohol, but drink of the Spirit. Be drinking of the Spirit. I know people are going to use this and word's going to spread, but I'm going to say it anyway. Pastor told you to go drink. But don't get drunk on wine or alcohol. Daily drink of Jesus. Oh, how do we do that? Well, some of you did that already this morning. I watched you as you sang. You focused on the Lord. You got moved today, did you not, Paul? When you took your eyes off of yourself and put them on Jesus, you were overwhelmed with what he did for you. Allison shared, I might blow over a little bit and bubble over a little bit. Look at what he says. All y'all be being filled continuously by the Spirit, addressing one another in Psalms. Did you catch that? Don't miss this. When we are experiencing the new creation, the power that's within us, living no longer for ourselves, but for the one who died for us, it will affect our relationships. Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I love how you said, go encourage somebody during the greeting time. That's what this is all about. Singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always. Continually and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm thirsty right now. Grateful for the person that gave me the water. The body of Christ is awesome when all the parts do their work. By the way, do you know how I realized I was thirsty? My mouth didn't feel right, it started to get a little dry. I could even smell my breath. That's how bad it was getting. How are you going to know when you're losing the feeling? It's not going to feel right. It's going to be a little dry. You're not going to be grateful. You're going to find yourself cantankerous. You're going to find yourself looking at people around you instead of yourself. And you won't have the joy and the peace that the Bible promises you can have even in the midst of this crazy, crazy world. Last week, I ended by telling you the story of my father-in-law, Jim Monninger, who taught at Delora Middle School there for 30-something years, and how he got saved at 48 years old when his wife stopped trying to fix him and handed him over to the Lord. Well, as I was praying over this, I called him up yesterday, and I said, I'm kind of praying over my message for tomorrow, and I want to share a story about how your salvation... Affected the people around you He goes, I could tell you a few But here's one that you can share I said, what's that? He said, having been a school teacher for all those years Something happened When the Spirit of God took over I went back into the classroom And I saw the kids In a totally different way Now, he was teaching 7th, 8th, and ninth graders Now, i got to be honest with you I consider junior high pre-human all right. <laughs> but he said I all of a sudden walked back into my classroom and saw them in a whole new light. I saw how scared they were. How even though they had gone from being the big sixth graders in their middle I mean their grammar school, now they showed up at this big school and they were the seventh graders and they were scared to death to eat lunch in the cafeteria. He said so what I started to do was I started to eat my lunch with them in the cafeteria. I know, he said, all the other teachers went into the teacher's lounge and got away from them for their hour. He said, I wanted to go spend more time with them. God changed my heart to those kids. And he said, when I first sat down in the cafeteria, all the kids were afraid. But over time, they started to realize, he really does want to eat with us. And he said, my table was the fullest of them all, and I got to love on those kids. Husbands, your wife needs you to drink from the Spirit. Wives, your husband needs you to drink from the Spirit. You got kids? You got neighbors? You got co-workers? They need you to let the Jesus that's in you be seen. Not really with your mouth. We've done enough of talking about Christianity Passing the written test, but failing the driving test. When we really understand that it ain't about us anymore, we won't care as much about what's going on in the world. We won't be bothered as much by the Christian brother and sister that's not living like we think they ought. We'll humble ourselves and say, God, just do a work in me. Do a work in me. Oh, and guess what? When that happens, everything else falls into place and not in a pool.